Hello, I'm Mariette Sneeman. Welcome to Calm, Clear and Helpful, a weekly podcast series on taking good care of yourself and others. Introducing you to a wide range of wellness professionals ready to inform and inspire. Today's topic is the Lino method, addressing chronic pain and injuries by releasing unresolved trauma. My guest is Benita Kropman, physiotherapist and founder and director of the Lino method, speaking from Cape Town. Welcome, Benita. Hello, Mariette, and thank you so much for inviting me. I'm very, very curious about the Lino method. To our listeners, after our conversation, Benita will give us her three tips on how to prevent and deal with chronic injuries or chronic pain. And then it will be fun question time. Benita, you've been working as a physiotherapist for 35 years And for the past 26 years, you've been practicing the Lino method. Could you give us a bird's eye view of your career? Sure. So my career started in the early 80s as a physiotherapist, and I landed in the sports field very quickly. Not that that was my intention at all. But eventually I opened private practices, and I ended up working with a lot of runners, with triathletes, very much focusing on sports injuries. But then in the sort of middle towards the end of the 90s, I suddenly realized that working with all these elite athletes, that if they had a chronic injury that keeps coming back, it seemed like my physiotherapy or my normal conventional medical background did not offer the solution or the permanent solution for that. And that's when I thought maybe I must start experimenting and see if there isn't a different approach that I could maybe develop in order to to deal with all these chronic injuries because I had um, athletes who would go to the Olympic Games and they would be preparing the whole year for the Games and they would get a niggle here and a niggle there and with physio I managed to sort of get rid of those um, niggles and get them back on the road but then when they get to the Olympics and they push their body a little bit harder then at the Olympic Games then the niggle will show up or becomes an injury and then they do not get their medal and that's when I decided I'm going to see if I could could not develop a different approach. And the different approach then resulted in the liner method. And that was very much looking at the whole body, see if everything moves, how everything moves. Do I need to strengthen something else or stretch something else? And that's how eventually I saw that when you look at the whole body, there would always be areas remote to where they feel the niggle or where they have the chronic injury. So areas, some other areas in the body that will not move and that seems to be weaker. And then eventually I was introduced to fascia. Fascia is like a buzzword all over the world um, in the medical fraternity. Everyone's talking about fascia, which is the connective tissue of the body. Um, And then I realized that it was actually the fascia, the connective tissue that sort of contracts in other areas of the body. And if I can release that, then they have their movement back, the body becomes aligned and balanced, and then they get rid of their injury. 
And that's when I started to develop the Lina method and where it is today, where we do a, a set full assessment of the whole body. We release wherever we find those contractions or areas of immobility. And, and in that way, we resolve all the chronic injuries and also chronic pain. And could you just go back and elaborate on what you mentioned, that the place where the problem resided is often what you called remote to the place where the pain is. I don't put it very elegantly, but could you perhaps just <laughs> explain that, please? Yeah, so that, that was quite interesting for me because, I mean, I was working mainly with runners. And so if a runner comes in and they have a chronic knee injury, we would diagnose it, you know, from physio, from a physio point of view, we would say it's a runner's knee or a jumper's knee or a meniscus injury or whatever diagnosis we can give that. And then there's sort of a recipe for that. So you would maybe do stretches around the knee, you would strengthen it, you would use electrotherapy there. So you would work sort of around the knee and coming from that diagnosis, and each diagnosis sort of have their own recipe. But then when I started to do the holistic assessment, I suddenly saw that maybe your left knee is sore is the problem, but your right shoulder is completely stiff. And then when I would ask the athlete, is your, uh, did you know, were you aware of the stiffness in your right shoulder? Then they would say, no, but my shoulder's got nothing to do with it because I'm a runner. But then when I release the shoulder, the knee injury goes away and stays away. And that's when I started to realize, but most of the time with a chronic injury, the, the, the cause of the injury or the source of the injury is somewhere else. And it could be that you have injured your shoulder many years ago, and now you are avoiding that area around the shoulder. You don't want to move there because your brain somehow, um, so, somehow thinks, if, if I move that shoulder I'm going to go back to the trauma that caused the shoulder or that was part of the shoulder injury. So now your brain moves around that shoulder. And by moving around the shoulder, it puts the body into non-alignment. And now suddenly the knee has to take more weight because you are moving away from that shoulder. And that causes chronic pain in the knee. So if we keep treating the knee, the knee gets better, maybe for a short while, but we are not looking at the shoulder that's actually causing the knee problem. So when you start running and you run a little bit faster, now again, you are avoiding that shoulder. You are moving over to the one side. You put more weight on the knee and then the knee injury comes back. And that's where the whole thing of, you know, the cause could be something remote to where you actually experience and feel the pain. That's fascinating. I'm going to come back to how you pinpoint the location of the unresolved trauma. But first, I want to ask you about something very interesting you discovered a couple of years ago. And that is the role that unresolved trauma plays in injuries and how it also affects the lino method. Could you tell us first how you would define trauma? Okay, so now this is this is actually in a sense quite complicated and, and also not. Um, when I started when in the body there was tightness, like I was explaining earlier about the shoulder could be tight. When I started to to do some physio techniques on that, meaning let's stretch the shoulder, you know, do all kinds of stretch and physical modalities with it, um, it did not really respond. 
So eventually, when I when I um, was introduced to fascia, fascia work and connective tissue work, where it's a different technique, where you sort of work with the skin as a layer and the skin sliding on a layer underneath that, and there's another layer underneath that. So there are all these layers of fascia that you are sliding upon and that you need to release layer by layer by layer. So we I ended up putting my hands on the skin and then I moved the layers um, on on top of each other to to be able to slide over each other. And that's how we actually get the shoulder area to become mobile again. So we're actually mobilizing the fascia or the connective tissue. So I've developed this whole technique and a very specific technique for Lino, combining movement of the shoulder with this kind of a deep massage technique of the connective tissue. So for years, I've been teaching the technique like that. You know, when when I was working, when I was teaching the course to, say, physiotherapists in Germany, I would have them take remove the clothing from that area so that we can have our hand on the skin because now we are going to release the fascia in that area. And then... Um, it's about five years ago, I arrived in um, South Korea, and when I wanted the physios there to open up the skin, they said to me, but in their culture, they do not like to open the skin. Can I not show them how to do this over the clothing? And then I thought, but over the clothing, I mean, there's no ways I'm going to be able to release the fascia because I need to grip the skin and I need to move the skin over the, the deeper fascia layers. And that. But, and then I said, well, you know what? All I can do is to just sort of show you on this. On, I mean, I'll move my fingers over your pair of tights or your top that you're wearing, and I'll show you where I would have done the technique. So normally when I when I show a technique, I would measure the range of movement and say it's 20 degrees and it should be 40 degrees. Then I would do the technique. And then when I remeasure, they can see, wow, now it's 40 degrees. So you've actually released the, the tightness of the shoulder or whichever area. So now I was in Korea and I'm not able to grip the skin. And I was thinking, now, what am I going to do now? I had to show them how to test beforehand. So I did and say, we see the 20 degrees. And then I now moved gently and softly over the clothing to show them where I would have done. And then I showed them, all right, and this is how I will then test it if I had to do the, or if I was able to do the release. I tested it and then I got my 40 degrees. Goodness. And I was quite surprised because now, how is this possible? I'm not releasing the fascia manually the way we normally do. And 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 Lino was always known as quite a quite a painful technique because we, if there's a lot of tightness, we would grip the skin quite hard and we would move quite deep to get to release all the deeper layers of the fascia. So now in this case, I am not going deep at all. I'm soft as a feather over the clothing and I am getting the release. And so I carried on with the whole course and we did it over the clothing and I got all my releases and I got more and more confused and then also thought, but maybe I shouldn't, I should hide my confusion because I mean, you know, it's not great if a teacher is trying to convince them of something and now the teacher looks more confused than anyone else. So, 
Then I went back to Germany after South Korea and I told the German people who were now on the second module of the course. So they used to taking their clothes, removing the clothing in the area and then they used to the deep techniques and everyone, oh gosh, here we start with line notes, so painful again. And then I said to them, okay, well today you don't need to remove your clothes and I'm actually going to go as soft as a feather and they are right. But then I did that and we got to releases and then it's through my whole theory of fascia release, which is what the fascia release that we see all over the world, it's through all of that sort of out the out of the picture. I mean, I, I had no explanation for it. And that's when I started to to read more and more about trauma and the the autonomic nervous system and how the autonomic nervous system deals with traumatic events and that. And that's when I realized that the tightness of the fascia, the contraction of the fascia in specific areas is actually a way that the autonomic nervous system, which is our nervous systems that prevent or sort of protect us against dangerous or traumatic situations. That's the way how unresolved trauma is stored on the body. So somehow the autonomic nervous system would then take the unresolved trauma and then sort of store it on a body level to protect you. And the storing of that means it's actually the connective tissue that contracts and, and, and holds and protects that specific area. And if, the, if it stays unresolved, the trauma, then it stays on the body, it sits on the body, and it, it will take some other release, specific release, to get to that point in the body to release the trauma and enable the whole body then to move properly again. So whenever I do my assessments and I find these areas in the body where there's not movement, that is eventually I realize that that is an area of the body where the, where the autonomic nervous system is protecting that unresolved trauma. And now we move through our day and there are these little areas in our body where the connective tissue is protecting that area where we cannot move. And we've got to sort of duck and dive those areas and move around it. And by doing that, we're actually putting more strain and load on other areas. And that's where we feel the chronic pain and the chronic injury. But if you go back, 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 then the cause is actually these areas that are immobile due to unresolved trauma. Right. I've got several questions. <laughs> the first one is, can trauma affect any part of the body? I mean, when you see clients, do they come with these immovable areas anywhere on the body? Yeah, so I could never, I can never predict where the immovable areas will be. So if you come in, if I have 10 people who come in with chronic left knee pain, then there isn't a recipe chronic left knee pain comes from right shoulder or something. In each body, it will be different. And because we don't only have one area of, of unresolved trauma, I mean, throughout our lives, we have many incidents of emotional trauma and of physical trauma, which is unresolved. And then the body sort of, it can't, unresolved trauma is trauma is if a dangerous event comes into your life or you, you are exposed to a dangerous event, then the autonomic nervous system immediately responds with a fight or flight 
mechanism. So if you feel you can fight it, then you will fight it. The, the danger will go away eventually and you will go back into your normal state. So that means it's resolved trauma. It's not unresolved. You fought it, you, you sort of survived, and, and off you go and you feel fine again. The flight one is the trauma comes in, you think, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to deal with that. So you run away, but you are actually able to run away, get away from it, Whew, you can you can sort of let the air out. You go back into the parasympathetic part of your autonomic nervous system and it restores the peace and you're calm and it is resolved trauma. But then when we have when we cannot fight and we cannot flight, there's another option that the sympathetic nervous system has, and that is freeze. So then in order to try and and hide away from the danger, we almost pretend that we are not there. So we freeze in that moment and the body contracts in certain areas. And then if that is not resolved, then those areas remain contracted. And that's where it shows up in certain areas of the body as contracted connective tissue. And that is then unresolved and still needs to be resolved. And those are the areas that I pick up when I do the assessment. So you could have had, say, four different very bad, unresolved traumatic events in your life, which is still sitting on your body. And some of them could be emotional, but others could just be physical, like you had a very bad injury of your shoulder and 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 no one could manage to get you out of it or whatever. And then the, the, the brain just decides to freeze up that shoulder, to not move through it, because then at least it's safe if, if it sort of protects it by freezing it. So it can freeze emotional or physical trauma, unresolved trauma, and that remains in the body. And where that is frozen or immobilized, which area it is, if it was physical, it would obviously be in the area where the physical trauma was. But if it is emotional, it is not necessarily there. And there are many books. Um, I know um, a lot of the listeners will most probably know Louise Hay's book. I think the book is called You Can Heal Your Life. And then she would say, if you have a chronic knee or if you have a chronic shoulder or if you have chronic abdominal pain or whatever, any chronic issues, she would then relate that to an emotional pattern that you are sort of stuck in or are traumatized or what, and then she would point that to a specific area in the body, which means that often if I have a client and I find that they have locking in their knee um, and, and they say their pain is in their shoulder, but I find that their knee is immobilized, then sometimes I'm curious if if we release and we release and we struggle to get a release, then I would go to one of the books like Louise Hayes' book and say, oh, it's interesting, Louise Hayes is speaking about this kind of emotional pattern. And if I mention it to the client, they're like, oh, my gosh, you know what? Mm-hmm. That's exactly something I, I struggle with. And somehow then the release is easier. So I've had many, many, many incidents like that. But I cannot myself predict, you know, where an emotional trauma would go and sit on the body. I, I mean, I cannot predict that. Mm-hmm. But, but if I read all these fancy books, then they <laughs> seem to be able to do that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And she has quite an interesting list, Louise Hay. So do you, do you find that when you have 
a client and you struggle with a release, like you explained, say it's in the knee, and you mention her explanation for this, uh, which I suppose has to do with a certain viewpoint or approach on their part, do you find mm. that if they become aware of that and they can speak of that, that, uh, that it helps the release to happen? Yes. So it's it's not really that they speak about it, you know, oh. so, and this is what I always say. This is quite interesting. When we look at the parasympathetic nervous system, so this whole, whole autonomic nervous system has a sympathetic part, which is your fight and flight and freeze, and then the parasympathetic part, which is the vagus nerve, and that's the part where where this trauma gets resolved. So it, it moves from the one side over to the parasympathetic side. It moves in the vagus nerve and then it moves out and the vagus nerve sort of relaxes the body, makes you breathe easy again, make the heart rate go down and, and, and that way you resolve the trauma. But it's quite interesting. If you look at the vagus nerve, 20% of the vagus nerve is connected to the mind. So it's whatever trauma situations comes in through the mind that you are mentally aware of, and then that goes into the autonomic nervous system. 80% of the vagus nerve is actually coming from the body. So that is what you sense through the body. So trauma that you experience and sense through the body, which the mind is not necessarily even aware of. And so that's the interesting thing about trauma is that 80% of it actually comes through the body and and then gets resolved through the body as well, or then not resolved through the body, and then that goes and sits sort of on the body as unresolved trauma. So um, it's not necessarily if, if, if they have the knee immobile, or immobile knee, so there's tightness in the knee that I pick up on my assessment and I work through it and that and, and they're not responding. And I might mention, say, Louise's book about that, about the knee. And they would then say, oh, my gosh, you know, that sentence that you gave me out of Louise Hayes' book. Is, is that's something that I've been struggling with. And it's almost like there's a bit of a resolve from the mind, but we still don't go through the mind and, okay, now we now I become your psychologist and mm. we're going to talk about this. So there's nothing like that. It's really I leave them with that, with that little bit of mental input, but then I carry on with the somatic work. So with only the body work, you know, breathing and movement and soft, gentle moving of my fingers over their clothing, or it can be over the skin, but soft, gentle moving in that area. So I am very much working with the 80% of the of the vagus nerve, the body part of the vagus nerve, and release it through that because it's stuck in the body. And I'm releasing it from the body out, you know, towards out of the autonomic nervous systems where we are calm and, and the trauma is resolved. So it's really not about talking. It's, it's, it came in through the body. It got stuck in the body and we, we're going to move it out through the body as well. But it helps sometimes to bring to connect it with that little bit of mind that's obviously then part of that unresolved trauma. Mm. So it really doesn't matter what the original trauma was. And, you know, whether it's the 20% that went to the mind or the 80% that went to the body, it's when you work with it, uh, it can get resolved. 
Absolutely. So it it really it it doesn't matter what it is, and and most of the time I have no idea what it is, and very often the client has no idea either because it came in through the body senses and not through the mind senses. So it's not something that they can verbalize. It's something that they that they sense. I mean, if you think of yourself, how many times are you in a situation where you where you sense? The discomfort. Mm. You feel, oh, I don't feel comfortable. I don't know what it is, but I don't feel comfortable at this moment. And then you move away from it. So, so much of trauma is sensed through the body. I mean, even people who are, uh, when you are under surgery, you're having an operation done on your knee or something, your mind is not really there. The subconscious mind, yes, but your your active conscious mind is not there. Mm. But the body senses the whole experience. So absolutely all of that. And, and that's why so often surgeries could be a cause of unresolved trauma because the body sense everything that goes on. And, and if it's not resolved, it goes and it sits in the body. And that's why so often after surgeries, people struggle with all kinds of aches and pains. And, and it comes from that unresolved trauma, from that extreme process when the mind was not there, but the body sensed everything and, and the body experienced it as trauma, found it overwhelming and, re- and stored it as unresolved trauma. Mm. Would you define trauma as something that you weren't able to cope with at that stage or, or how would you see yeah. that? Yes, absolutely. So a dangerous situation or event is not necessarily traumatic. It only becomes traumatic if you can't deal with it. Mm-hmm. And if you then decide this is traumatic, this is overwhelming, I can't deal with it. And so even if you can't deal with it and the parasympathetic nervous system, the vagus nerve manages to sort of get it up and, and out, we're talking about the upper part of the of the vagus system and then the lower part, the ventral and the dorsal. So the dorsal is the lower part. If if the polyvagal system, if the vagus nerve cannot take it out through the ventral part, through the heart, through the lungs, you know, the heart rate goes down, the lungs, um, your breathing eases off and it goes out and you connect it to society and you're in a happy place again. If it can't go up, then it goes down and it goes below the diaphragm through the vagus nerve downwards. And that's when it goes and it sits in the body and then it's unresolved trauma. So any very, very bad event could be experienced by one person as overwhelming and becomes trauma and unresolved trauma, whereas someone else in the same situation could not be so overwhelmed. And then it goes up through the ventral vagal system or vagus nerve and it gets resolved and it's not seen as trauma. This is intriguing. (laughs) I tell you, if you think it's intriguing, I work with it every day. And it's like (laughs) every day you become aware of, uh, you get more insight into it. And Mm. and I think we're just touching it. I mean, you know, as, as a human species, we're only touching it. There is so much that's hidden that because we are so unaware that we still need to know and still need to learn. And Benita, the question I was going to come back to, how does Lino pinpoint the location of unresolved trauma, the assessment you do with your clients? 
Yeah. So in the early years, I was working mainly with athletes and triathletes. So I was thinking they most of their injuries are in their legs, and I was just testing. I used to call it stretches. I do your quad stretch, your hamstring stretch, your glute stretch, and that. And the one that's tight is the one that I realized I need to be working on. So as time went by, I realized, but oh, someone, this athlete has a tight shoulder as well. Where I sort of just tested and played around and experimented a little bit. Today, I have a full assessment that I do and we actually have a liner app and application with a goniometer where we literally measure each part of the body so when we start the assessment we have 50 tests and I test you literally from the head all the way down to the toes and I use this app on the phone the goniometer I measure how many degrees can you flex your neck forward how many degrees can you extend your neck backwards and then I know through taking all the um, information that I get from websites from physios and chiropractors and everyone we find a sort of a neutral range of movement for each and every joint in the body so I can now test each and every part of the body and then I get almost like a spreadsheet on my app that says the left shoulder does not want to move outwards, the right shoulder can't move forward, the left hip doesn't like to rotate to the outside and the and the right big toe can't lift up properly. So then I know those are the areas in the body where the fascia is contracted and where most probably unresolved trauma is stored. And then the whole technique is focusing on releasing that trauma. And once I've released it, I can immediately see it on the same appointment. I can actually see how we get the movement through that area. And it's almost like the brain sees, oh, okay, it seems like the danger is gone. I don't have to protect that anymore. So we create like a safe space for the client and then we do the breathing and the movement and all that and you can actually literally see in front of your eyes how it opens up in that area and you get the movement back and then you know the chronic pain is going to disappear. That must be very satisfying to be able to offer that to clients. Absolutely. And you know, it's, it's quite interesting. Ever since I've, I've, I'm now using the very gentle technique over the clothing, so there's no pain involved, nothing like that anymore. It's, it's even more surprising, you know, when I, when I just gently move over your shoulder and I make you move your shoulder and I make you breathe out. And it's, 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 it almost feels to me as if I'm doing nothing, but we get the release. <laughs> And it is because the release is not manual, like, you know, like a deep massage where the therapist is actually releasing the stuff. It feels to me that that I'm creating the space. I'm almost sort of talking to the nervous system and say, it's safe now. Look, this is how I want you to move. This Look, this is where I want you to move. We're breathing out. So we actually completely allowing the nervous system to do the release. And I'm actually only the facilitator or the one that tells the nervous system where I think that release should happen. Yes. And do you find that the release has permanent results? Definitely. If the, um, the trauma is completely released, then it, I give the client an exercise where they keep going back to that specific movement. So every day, twice a day for 
I mean, hopefully at least for about two months, I make them every morning do that exercise. Oh, it takes them like like maybe two, three minutes to do the exercise. But just to remind the brain that, look, everything is still fine here. Look, everything is still fine here. So they keep they keep the mobility going all the time. Because, you know, if you have a traumatic event, that memory is so strong. So the brain never really trusts it. But if every day you go back and say, look, it's still fine. Look, it's still fine. Then it doesn't come back. Hmm. So if you would have a client where you do the release and they go out and they and they go and hammer the the old compensation patterns immediately and they're not they're not really working with you, it will be more difficult. Then I will have to see them quite a few times to sort of almost, in a sense, work against them. But most of the time, you know, because we create such such a safe space and we are we are really going so mentally and physically deep into, into a space of old trauma, the client is so, so happy about it and so surprised by it and so um, ev- involved in the whole process that when they can see the movement, they walk out and I find that all my clients do the exercises mm. and, and they would phone me a year later and say, you can't believe it. it, it I'm still feeling fantastic. So most of the time, you get that permanent result. I really find it's only if I have, for instance, athletes who are addicted athletes, you know, that runner who says, but you don't understand, I have to run 10 kilometers every day or else I don't know what will happen. But if they have that sort of serious addiction that they they push so hard they push their bodies so hard that that they actually struggle to allow the nervous system to help them break the pattern and to move into old areas where there was unresolved trauma. So it's a little bit more difficult if you work with someone with uh, with that kind of addicted personality where you don't understand I have to. You know, that kind of personality. But most of the people who come to see me are people who are are quite desperate. They've been in in a chronic pain situation for a long time. And because they see the results so immediately on the first session, you know, while I'm working with them, um, it it sort of convinces them to let's get out of my old patterns and let's explore where the brain can go and can take me. Do you find that some clients react with uh, that that they have a strong emotional reaction? Yes. So sometimes, and and I do warn people, you know, when they come in, I do warn them that when we do the release, I I don't know what sits underneath that contracted connective tissue in that area. I don't know whether it is an old emotional trauma that sits there or whether it is just old physical trauma that sits there. If it's physical, it's fine. Then you release it and the, and you get your movement back and it's fine. But if if it is old, serious, unresolved emotional trauma, sometimes when I move my fingers gently over that area and they gently move and they gently breathe, they might start crying or they might suddenly start feeling very angry or they might start shaking. So there might be an emotional reaction that comes up. I warn them beforehand that there might be emotions coming up but that they must remember they are in a safe space. I'm holding them. 
um, they they can still say to me, Benita, stop, give me a bit of a gap, or or they can say, no, it feels like you must just carry on so that this can just get released. So I make them understand very well beforehand that if that happens, you are in a safe space, I will hold the space for you, and then you can indicate to me whether you want to have a full release or not. Most of the time, actually almost always, people would say, I, I'm crying. Is it okay if I cry? And I'm absolutely. I'll hold the space for you. Bring it all out. Let's get let's get all that trauma resolved so that you can move through that. Because just imagine what the effect on your body will be if you have movement in this area. So we it's it's very much a trusted sort of safe space and 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 it works fantastically i do also f- mention to the to the clients also beforehand that some people when they leave because it seems like the the release has a ripple effect you know it's like 3 4 5 days later mm. it's still releasing and it it often happens that a client would would call me maybe two days later and say, you know what, Benita, I was fine. But that evening, I suddenly started crying and I cried my heart out and you have no idea how my body has changed. Everything feels different. So the most interesting part is that, you know, one would think if it's emotional that you need to speak about it, but you don't. Mm. You don't. It's just like you just need to allow that emotion to sort of spill out of your body and to, yeah, and to just go and it's, it's unbelievable. The feeling when it's gone is unbelievable. Mm. And another question, Benita. Say you are working with uh, an immobile part of the body. Say it is, it is a leg that has been broken and that didn't heal properly. How will, this, how will the lino method then influence the mobility? Yeah. So if, there is, if there's a structural immobility, you know, like say you've had a spinal fusion Mm. and they've put a rod in there and now those vertebrae cannot move because there's a structural immobility. Obviously then it's, it's, it's not going to, to make any difference there. And bone in itself does not move. So if you've had a fracture of bone and it has grown together and grown in, not properly or, or that, bone doesn't move anyway. It's connective tissue and muscle and that that's moving. So if the lock is in the connective tissue, in the muscle, in soft tissue, so everything that is not bone, if it's anywhere there, then it can release. If, if obviously there is an issue in the bone itself, bone doesn't move anyway, so there won't be any release there. If, for instance, another one is people would come in with scoliosis. Now, with scoliosis, most of the scoliosis would be connective tissue, which then involves muscle, because connective tissue is sort of like a balloon around everything else. So if the connective tissue contracts and and is locked in an area, then that means that all the muscles, all the nerves, everything that runs through that connective tissue will then be affected by it and will also be immobilized. So say now, if you have, if you look at a spine and on the left side of the spine, there is a connective tissue lock. So the muscles there are sort of contracted in a short position. Then it means that the muscles on the opposite side 
on the right side will be locked in a lengthened position. And that would then pull the spine into a curve where the short side will be that, what's it, concave, and then the other one convex. So, so that then causes the scoliosis. If I then do the assessment and I pick up that left side that is locked in, you know, there's unresolved trauma with a fascia locking around it, and I release that, then the spine goes straight because we've released the soft tissue and the soft tissue was the cause of it. If a child was born with a defect of the spinal cord where, of the spine where the vertebrae on the left side are all sort of a little bit smaller or shorter and on the right side longer, then obviously it would curve the whole spine towards the left side. That's a, a structural bone thing. So like, that's not unresolved trauma. That's not fascia causing that. So that, that's not something that we can resolve. But if it is, if you have a scoliosis because your fascia is contracted, causing the spine to curve to the one side, and I release that, then it will be resolved. Hmm. So it's only really structural bone that that will not be resolved. Yes. Thank you for that for that explanation. And you don't only work with adults, do you? No, absolutely not. You can work. I mean, we all have fascia. We all have trauma, you know, and even little babies could have experienced trauma while they were in the uterus. And then when they come out, they, they, they show up all kinds of issues. And then that can also be released. I mean, if obviously it falls in, uh, if, if it is connective tissue that is contracting it, then the liner method can be used to release that. I have, for instance, um, once had a, a friend of my daughter had a little baby and I think he was about 11, 12 months old. And she mentioned to my daughter that she thinks she must take the kid to the doctor because when she puts on his nappy, his one little leg would fall open completely, but the other one not. So she can never open his legs properly because the one leg always, it's almost like it's stiff in the hip and it stays up all the time. And then I say to her, well, let her bring the baby in. Let me just have a look. And I assess the baby and I could see that the hip did not want to rotate and it also did not want to move outwards. And so I just gently moved over that area and played with the baby and made the hip move a little bit more. And within, literally within seconds, the fascia released and, and he had proper movement and never had any issues after that. Whereas if it was left like that, he would have had serious issues when he started to walk and that because the hip was not going to rotate properly. And it was so easy. So what could have caused that? I mean, I wouldn't know, but anything like if you have a baby in the womb in the last trimester and it's maybe lying in a bridge position and his little foot hooks onto the rib and it's stuck in that position, any little simple thing that, that like that could be overwhelmingly traumatic for that tiny little baby and would then cause a contraction. And then if you just release that contraction, then they get their movement back and they're fine. And there are so many young children, when I look at them, where I can see that there's it could be any tiny little thing, a physical or an emotional traumatic event that could have caused that fascia to contract. And the body shows it up when I do the assessment, and then we gently breathe through it, move through it, release it, and, and then they get their movement back. So honestly, from 
tiny, tiny baby all the way through. The technique is so soft and so kind and so and so safe. You know, it's 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 completely non-invasive. So yeah, you can use it from baby to to the day we we breathe our last breath. And do you find that clients come back regularly? I mean, as you said, all of us have trauma, and I think many mm. of us have many places where, where trauma has fastened itself. Yeah. So I always think, personally, I think that we should all have an assessment like this kind of assessment, say once a year, to just see if there are areas that are sort of locked up and immobile that can be released so that our bodies can move better because a body that can move well will function well. And I mean, I'm talking not only muscle or muscular movement, but I mean, our organs and that are all reliant on movement and, you know, for blood to move through and for all of that. So, I think it's so important that we all move well to prevent all kinds of injuries. So from a preventative sort of side, I would say it would be so great if everyone could just have their body screened and then everything released so that we all move well. But then most of the time people come and see us if they have had a chronic issue and they've had lots of treatment and it's not responding to any treatments, which would normally then be symptomatic treatment. I mean, if your knee sore, they will work with your knee and operate your knee and, and everything will be around where the, where the symptoms are. So normally people come when they have chronic injuries. And most people come, say, once or twice, and then they feel so much better, so they don't need to come again. That's when I would say, maybe come next year, same time, and let me just check and see if there's anything else. I mean, it would just be so great for the body if you could do that. But people who are in a situation that feeds trauma all the time will obviously come back to you more regularly because um, the traumatic incident that caused the whole situation, if that was a once-off then obviously they will not be traumatized again and, and, and they will not be needing the, the sort of therapy again. But a lot of people are in situations where that specific trauma keeps happening over and over again and feeds the situation. And then they end up coming to you more regularly. So that's where we, we spend a lot of time in Lino to try and find the habits or the situations that could be feeding this trauma and and make sure that we get rid of that. Because, you know, even something like if you sit in a bad position watching television every night, that becomes physical trauma for the body. If the muscles say, listen, we cannot try and hold and protect the body in that bad position every night for four hours that this person's sitting in front of the TV. And that's when the body then says, I sense this as unresolved trauma. And it goes and it sort of frees up the body in a position so that it can at least deal with that traumatic situation every night. So this is not really, it sounds like it's not trauma, but for the body, it senses that as trauma, that bad position every night. And that's when, if I, if I then do the assessment and I find the areas in the body which is locked up, I normally first ask the client, um, do you often sit in this position or stand in this position? Is there something that you do that could be feeding this tightness that you have in your body? 
And then we try and break that pattern because if we don't break it, then it will it will come back as unresolved trauma and sit in the body again. So when we speak about unresolved trauma, it's not only an extreme traumatic event, you know, that that happened to you. It could also be like bad positions sitting, you know, simple things like that. But because the body, 80% of trauma comes in through the body. So if the body has to hold itself and protect itself in a bad position for hours and hours every day, that is also traumatic. It's traumatic for the body, and that will be stored as unresolved trauma in the body. And that's where I will I will go and say, but which habits will be feeding this? And then we need to break the habits if we don't want that trauma to come and sit in the body all the time again. Just a quick explanation of what I do. I'm a content entrepreneur creating podcasts and articles for my own platform and for various magazines and digital platforms. My website contains a growing collection of podcast episodes and articles on emotional health, parenting, love relationships and the life challenges we all face. Each episode or article showcases a therapist, coach or other wellness professional so you can get to know them and easily find an expert who will resonate with you should you need one. So far, I've interviewed 100 well-being providers from many countries. After all, online therapy and coaching means we can connect across continents. If you love getting a glimpse of the person behind the professional, click on Up Close and Personal on my website for articles on many of the experts I've featured. And if you're a wellness professional interested in being my podcast guest or being featured in an article on my platform, or perhaps in a South African magazine, take a look at services on my website and send me an email. Now... Back to my guest. I've been thinking now, older people often say that they have a lack of, they have a loss of flexibility. What could this method do for them? You see, we we have very, very good results with older people because you, even if you give an, uh, an elderly person 10% of their mobility back, it gives them so much more function. And people become less and less mobile when they're older because they move less and less. When you're young, you play and you climb trees and you move around a lot. But as we become older, we become much more reserved and we move less and less and less. And that is also why the body is not able to deal with all kinds of situations and then it, it uses this um, freezing of the connective tissue to try and support you more and more. So the less you move, the less the body feels safe enough in different situations. And then if it is in a difficult situation, then it would freeze to try and help you. So in the end, we walk around with bodies that's almost frozen all over because we haven't moved enough and we haven't kept our bodies strong and mobile enough to deal with everyday situations. 
And and so with the elderly people, um, if we do liner on them, they get a huge release or they get a huge a benefit from it and and an improvement in function because we give them so much more muscle function back. Because if you cannot move, if the fascia is contracted and it holds you to try and protect you, it means that the muscles in that area where the fascia is contracted cannot actually move. And if a muscle cannot move, it becomes weaker and weaker and, and then your function becomes less and less. So liner for older people, or, or not, I mean, I'm saying liner because this is my technique, but any mobility, any any movement kind of therapies or that for older people is so, so, so beneficial and can turn around a lot of that locked fascia patterns that people struggle with. That's good news. Benita, where can <laughs> listeners find a liner method practitioner if they are interested? Okay, so we have a website, thelinomethod.com. And if you go on the website, then you will see right on the front page, there is find a practitioner. If you click on that, you can put in your area and then say a radius of 25 kilometers or 100 kilometers or whatever you prepare to drive. And then it will show up all the practitioners that are in your area. And it will also give you more information on what their background is or, um, you know, exactly where they are. There's a little map on where to find them. But you can find all the licensed practitioners on the website. Um, I have come across many people who would say to me that they've been for lino and it's been very painful or or that. So there are people who maybe did a little bit of our courses or who has been years ago when we were still doing the, the heart techniques, who went to someone who was doing a heart technique. And now they just incorporate that in their own treatment and they call it lino. So if you really want Lino with the the new technique, the soft technique, the all the trauma information that we have now and all that. Make sure that you go to a licensed Lino practitioner. They are all listed on the Lino website. Thank you. I'll put a link to that website in the podcast. And then I also noticed that you have practitioners in in various countries. Well, we're starting. I have an online course now, and hopefully with an online course, I will be able to teach people worldwide. And we have a few practitioners at the moment in the UK, and I have practitioners who have moved away, immigrated um, from South Africa and who are in Australia and New Zealand at the moment. And I think I have one girl and Mauritius and we have somebody in Qatar. So so there are a few, I mean, outside South Africa, but hopefully soon with the online course, we will have many, many line of practitioners all over the world. But in South Africa, I think I have at the moment about 80 licensed line of practitioners. And is the online course on the same website? It's on the same website. So if you go on Become a Practitioner on the website, if you click on that, it will take you to the courses. So we have practical courses in Johannesburg, Pretoria, also in Peter Maritzburg and in Cape Town, where once a year we do the courses. We train people. We use three modules to train them. And the modules, if you do the practical course, you will do a weekend module one and then a month later weekend module two and then another month later um, the weekend module three. So it's basically a, 
as sort of an after-hours course. I mean, you can still have a full-time job and then just do the modules over the weekends. Then you have to do some case study work and you do an exam and eventually become licensed. So it takes about five to eight months for us to train up somebody to become a licensed practitioner. If you want to do the online course, the online course is mainly for people outside South Africa. I prefer that people in South Africa do the the practical courses because you just get so much better insight. But you are also able to do the online course. If people in South Africa would like to do the online course, they can contact me through the website because we have a different fee structure for South Africans for the online course. Um, The online course is in dollars for people abroad. But for South Africans, we will give a better price if they contact us directly. And which practitioners are eligible for training? Do you only train physiotherapists? Who else do you train apart from physiotherapists? So I prefer to train people who are already working with clients, whether it is Pilates or yoga or CrossFit or you're a massage therapist or a personal trainer, anybody who move, who work with clients in this sort of movement or therapy kind of fraternity. So I prefer to train people like that, but we have trained up so many people who come from completely no medical background. This is, it is so not medical. It is so much more, I want to almost say in a sense, it's so much more spiritual because the techniques are very gentle and soft. Um, we test the whole body. It's very much movement orientated and not medical orientated. We want to get the body to move and we are not giving like a medically diagnosed kind of therapy. So therefore, you don't need to come from a medical fraternity, although we do train up physios and people from the medical fraternity. It's sometimes easier for me to train up people who do not come from medical because we are in the medical area so trained to to go straight to the symptoms, straight to the diagnosis and, and want to treat that knee according to how we've diagnosed it. So it's so difficult to make the shift to look at the bigger picture. So I always say I love to train people who have an holistic view, who are lateral thinkers, who, who like to explore and who have a very deep feeling um, and caring and, and sort of healing feeling towards others, towards other human beings. So it's a different kind of character almost in a sense that we would like to train up to do this, but you do not need any medical background to do the course. Thank you, Benita. I think it's time for your three tips on how to prevent and deal with chronic injuries and pain. Right. So I had to think a little bit about these three tips. The first one I think is I want to say if you have chronic pain or a chronic injury and you've been for lots of therapy, you need someone to have an holistic view, someone who has an holistic view. I have, for instance, a a doctor, a medical doctor that I've been going to for 30 years already. And whenever I walk, it doesn't matter what my problem is if I have a tummy pain or a headache or whatever, it doesn't matter what it is. If I walk into his rooms, he would say to me, sit down and let's first talk about what's going on in your life. I want to know everything about your life, how you move, what you do. So he has an holistic view. And then from that, he will look at what's wrong with me. So it's so important. If anything is chronic, 
if there's a chronic injury or chronic pain, find a therapist, a doctor, somebody who looks at the whole body, the full picture, and not only at the symptoms. So that's my first tip, and that's my most important tip. And then my second one is I see so often, if I go on social media, I would read something like, if you want to become a better runner, you have to stretch your hip flexors. Or if you want to become a, a, a better runner, you have to stretch your hamstrings. All runners should stretch hamstrings. There's no set rule to treat anything or, or to do anything. Each and every body that walks into my practice is completely different. So I would have one runner with tight hip flexors and the next runner would have tight hamstrings. So there is no thing like Everybody should do the same thing in order to get rid of an injury or to become a better runner. Each and everybody is so different. So do not follow any advice that you see on social media or that that says everybody should do this or everyone should be doing um, abdominal exercises for back pain or anything like that. Always go and find somebody who can look at your body specifically and find what you need to do. We all have our own recipes. And then the last thing is just keep moving. If you want to stay out of injuries and if you want to have a functional body as you grow older, make sure that you move. And when I say move, I don't mean just start walking or just run because then you're not using your upper body so much. So make sure you do all kinds of things so that you move your shoulders properly, your neck properly, your back properly. Make sure you move your whole body. That is the best way to stay healthy and to stay functional. And those are my three tips. And they're very sensible and informative. <laughs> Thank you. May I ask you a fun question? Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. I hope I can answer. <laughs> if you were a mermaid, Benita, which mm -hmm. vicinity would you love to make your home? Which facility? I would definitely make my home in the kelp around Simonstown, in the kelp forest, because there is no more beautiful place than that on earth. And I'll definitely go straight there if I was a mermaid. <laughs> that didn't take you long to figure that out. <laughs> no, no, because I'm a cold water swimmer and I absolutely love the water. And we always speak of ourselves as mermaids. So you, I don't know where you got that question, but it was up my alley. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a, just a, a bit of intuition. Um, <laughs> Must be. Is, is, is that where my, uh, what was that movie that won so many awards? Um, yes. My, the, is the that where my octopus, octopus teacher. teacher was made? Exactly. It's exactly in that area. And that's why it is absolutely beautiful there. So, yeah, so if you mention the word mermaid, you take me straight right into that <laughs> kelp forest. <laughs> oh, thank you, Benita, for, for introducing us to the Lino Method. I must say, I have been riveted to your every word because mm -hmm. this is something new to me. And I really hope it's going to bring a lot of relief and release to many of us. Thank you so much, Marie. It's been, it's, for me, it is an exploration every day. And I mean, I've been doing this for 26 years and it feels like I'm touching the tip of the iceberg. So, yeah. It is amazing. There's nothing so amazing as our brains, and our brains can do so much for us. 
Yes, and to our listeners, it was good of you to join us. I'd love you to subscribe to this podcast series and rate it where you download your podcasts. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with someone you care about. Go to my website, www.marietsneeman.co.za, for this episode's podcast notes and for free articles and podcast episodes on how to live a happier life and have more fulfilling relationships. To follow me on Facebook, just search for Mariette Sneeman, journalist. Calm, Clear and Helpful is compiled, hosted and edited by me with original music by Mark marie Sneeman. Catch you next Tuesday at 9.00.